Welcome to the Ghostman Radio Station, and I am talking today to Jay Ritchie, who is now going to introduce himself, because he knows more about himself than I do. So let's start with question number one. Um, how did you become a Christian? Well, I uh, wasn't born a Christian. I don't believe people are born uh, Christians. Uh, scriptures but I was raised in a religious home. We, we were Catholics. I, I, uh, I was raised by my aunt um, because my parents Um, 
Thursday, after hearing the gospel and
was trying to, you know, rub on us and make sure that we were going to grow in faith now. And um, my mom, at that time, she was smoking cigarettes in the house, and I just told her, I said, you know, I, I'll pray for you, Mom, because that stuff is not good for you, your health, and it bothers my lungs. God doesn't want you to smoke, He wants you to quit. And, um, you know, eventually I bugged her enough, and she started listening, and then, you know, some, uh, like I said, some folks from the church, uh, yeah, I think the assistant pastor was kind of like a father figure to me, and I became friends with his son as well, and they would come by and just check up on us and, and, and um, get to know us, and eventually through uh, their influence, my mom, she asked, you know, the Lord to help her quit smoking, and I believe that's, I believe that was the time that she either got saved or, or rededicated her, uh, her life to, to Christ, and she realized that the Catholic Church was going to, they weren't teaching us the Bible, and nor did they ever uh, tell us uh, how to get saved.
point in my, in my, in my life, I really wanted some answers, and just, you know, we didn't, we didn't get any, we didn't find out who murdered them and why, and so that kind of started bothering me, and I was looking at other people that I knew, and they had families, they had mother and father, and it seemed like they had a home, and I was desiring that, so I started to get bitter at God, um, and meeting the wrong friends and just uh, not having a father figure in my life, I really got into the wrong crowds and um, started just experimenting with drugs, hanging out the wrong crowd, and I uh, got away from the board for 10 years. So from, that, from, from uh, 1993 to 2003, I was really uh, not walking with the board very, very well. And, um, I still believed in them, and I still was a Christian, but I was a disobedient because I, instead of taking my doubts and my questions to God, uh, I would just use those things as an excuse to stay away from God. Of course, people were praying for me, and people would see me, uh, you know, here and there, and saying, you know, we miss you at church, you know, we're praying for you. And I would tell them, well, keep praying for me. Uh, and uh, I, would, I would go to church occasionally, but I just wasn't a hot person in it because I was hurting. Side. These questions that I didn't feel I had the answers to. Uh, and then um, after 10 years of rebellion and, and getting into trouble, and it was fine several times. Uh, in 2003, on a Friday night, I um, was uh, drinking and uh, just you know, really sad. I broke up with my girlfriend. Started reading the Bible after that, after that night, that 
was him trying to get my attention, trying to reassure me that he never left me, he would never leave me. And he, it was, it was as if he was peeling back 10 years of rebellion in a moment's time, and he was showing me all the flashbacks of where he was faithful in my life, where he you know, protected me in certain points, where he uh, rescued me from a dangerous situation. He was showing up in my life, even though I had kind of basically just been ignoring him in some ways. Uh, he was there, faithful, and proved to me um, that he had not left me. And I felt forsaken because my parents were not in the future, and I felt forsaken by them, but he had never left me. And, um, of course, I, in my rebellion and in my pain, I had always blinded to his goodness. Uh, but I just promised him, I said, well, if you'll, if you'll forgive me and you'll, you'll give me, uh, you'll renew my heart, renew my spirit, I will serve you for the rest of my days. And uh, that night I slept like a baby and the weight of sin and shame and guilt was lifted and, and I felt like I, I was reunited with God again with the friendship that I had put aside for a few days. And then the, the next year, 2004, he called me to be a preacher. So, did this inspire you to get into the ministry then? Yes, yes, it did. So, when he called me to be a preacher, I didn't know exactly what that was going to look like. Um, I don't know if he wanted to be a pastor, if he wanted me to go to a foreign country and be a missionary, or what have you. I didn't know what that was. So I just started to uh, just started to grow where, where I was planted. So the church I had been attending, I talked to my pastor and I just said, uh, because at that point we had we had lost our assistant pastor. Our assistant pastor was Oh, no, no, it's, it's, it's nothing major. Um, now, uh, I've got your little, I've got your book up, and it's called Evangelism's Flipside, A Journey of Reaping the Unexpected. And uh, the first bit you have, you have, have you ever felt you lacked the desire or knowledge to effectively start a gospel-centered conversation with a non-Christian? Would you like to learn some new and creative methods to share the gospel with people. Would you like to see God's hand move mightily into your life in in the flesh and unmistakably amazing ways? If you answer yes to these questions, then this book is for you. From the first pages, this highly practiced book weaves in stories of real-life witnessing situations with inspirations from great, some great some giants of the Christian faith, such as Moody 
Sparrowgan, I probably said that now, Johnson, Jackson, and more. It also provides easy action steps and additional resources that help Christians to recognize and seize the soul-winning opportunities right in front of them so they can enjoy one of the many benefits of evangelism that, uh, that much of Christendom has, has largely forgotten about today. I, I, I like your quote from Daniel 11.32 says the people that do, that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. And it's just a little bit of the blurb that you've got from your book, which I would highly recommend, five stars, for anybody who wants to read it and um, find out about the journey of faith, because it is a long journey. It's not an instant journey. I found it out the hard way what faith can do. I only found out my faith because I ended up in a coma. And that sort of after that I became more spiritually aware of myself and my situation. So I can sort of relate, but not co- completely relate.
least a couple of months, I decided that this was a good fit, and um, I became, I, I, I partnered with them now to uh, take the gospel with them to, uh, you know, to this New England area where I'm at right now. And I've been with them and partnering with them and serving with them and using their tools since uh, maybe 2016. Um, officially on board, I think, since 2017. Um, so it's been a couple of years almost now. And, uh, uh, the book was some, it was really a comp- compilation of uh, a, a set point of time between uh, 2012 and 2013. Uh, and it was really, you know, some evangelism escapades that God had brought me on, whether he had me preaching the gospel uh, in an airport or at a subway or a park or to a waitress in a restaurant or a college campus or um, in the country of Belize, you know, in Central America. These stories that God had given me, he he had been doing uh, marvelous things. Um, I had some divine encounters with people, uh, especially in the country of Belize. So I just recorded that, these stories, and I typed them out on my, on my computer, and I just, you know, found some other helpful quotes um, from, you know, people like Charles Spurgeon or D.L. Moody, you know, giants of the Christian faith. And I included those quotes in the, um, the book that I typed up on my computer, but then I just left it there, and I just wasn't, I didn't, I hadn't plan on having it published. I, I'm not a writer. I, you know, I don't think my, my English grammar is that great. In school, my best subject was math, not English. So I really had all these different excuses for why I was not willing to publish the book. But just like Moses, you know, when Moses gave God all the, all the excuses uh, that he was giving God, you know, when God asked, when God told him, I want you to be the one that read my people Israel out of Egypt, out of bondage, and most would say, I can't do that, how is Pharaoh going to listen to me, I'm not a good, eloquent speaker, and yada, 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 you know, and, you know God gave God all these excuses, so I felt like Moses, I was giving God all these, all these excuses as to why I didn't get this book off my computer and into book format, and uh, it's, it, you know, it's funny, if you want to make God laugh, just tell God what you because God created you, so He knows more than you and I do about what we can do and what we So He kept, you know, God kept knocking down all my excuses. He found me an editor, or several editors actually. Um, he found me a publisher. Uh, actually, my sister's pastor, uh, who knew of a decent publisher, so got in touch with them, and they they said yes, we'd like to publish the book. And um, and just, you know, one by one, the excuses went away, and um, I still was kind of hesitant, but then when I lost my mother to cancer in November 2018, uh, I realized that, you know, if I got this book published, I could dedicate it to her, because she, you know, she didn't have to raise me and my sister. She was a single, she was a single woman, uh, you know, making decent money, living her life um, on her own, but then she's not 
it. She saw the need. She saw that me and my sister um, you know, needed a loving home, and so she put the she made the sacrifice. She adopted us, and you know, she paid the price for our adoption more ways than one, and she you know, raised us. And so she, because of her love and her sacrifice, you know, pouring into me and, and my sister and giving us a, a foundation to build on, uh, I wouldn't probably be the man that I am today, so I, I dedicated the book to, to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but then also to her. And now through, through the book getting out there, uh, her legacy, her act of love, her sacrifice can be remembered. Because uh, I dedicate, you know, she's, she's on the dedication page, so that's a memorial to her. And so that was kind of like the, the thing that inspired me to, to really go ahead and get the book published. And so I did it. And the book is not a how-to book. It's, it's, um, it's because we have plenty of those. It's, it's really not telling people how to, you know, how to be the best evangelist because I don't, I don't consider myself the best evangelist. But what the book is going to do is the book aims to encourage uh, Christians and inspire them to uh, step out of faith to share the gospel with people because it's through the gospel that people come to know uh, and have a relationship with God. You know, no, nobody is a Christian automatically um, anymore. You know, I'm, people, a lot of people think they go to church and, and they're Christian automatically, but you don't become a Christian by going to church any more than I become a doctor by going to a hospital. It's, it's, it's only through a relationship with Jesus Christ that we can come to know God way, so um, the book is to encourage Christians to share the faith, share the gospel with people, and it's really looking through my eyes and the, the escapades and the adventures that God has taken me on, and, and, and it reads like, you know, it reads like a, like a story, uh, you know, from one place, from one person to the next, you know, I talk to all different types of people in the book, I talk to Muslims, I talk to Catholics, uh, I talk to people that have gone to church all their life but don't know, uh, don't know the Lord Jesus uh, intimately, or they're, you know, I've, been, I've talked to disobedient Christians, I've, I've, in the book I've talked to all different types of people and in different places, you know, people on the plane I've talked to, airports, I talk to people that believe in evolution or atheists or whatever, and it just won't. It encourages people to see evangelism as not just a. It's, it's really not a monologue. It's a dialogue. Evangelism is a. It's a conversation. It is not a presentation. Jesus had conversations with Nicodemus. John chapter three. He had conversation with the woman at the well in John chapter four. And uh, even with the religious leaders, he had conversations. He would tell them the truth, and then he would let them ask questions, uh, and it was back and forth, you know. And so the book uh, encourages people to look at evangelism like that. Also, it encourages and inspires Christians to see that evangelism is not just about bringing the gospel to a lost. I mean, that's only half the story. There's really more to evangelism than meets the eye. And my book will help. Hopefully to, to, to explain that, uh, in, 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 they'll see it through these different stories and, and different adventures I'm on. But really, the 
Hinduism is like a two-sided coin. It's, you know, one side is what God is doing in the person that you're trying to bring the gospel to, that you're trying to encourage the people to trust in Christ. But also evangelism has to do with what is God doing in the person that is sharing the gospel? What is he doing in this person sowing the seed? Uh, I think that evangelism is a great way for people to grow in their faith because it, 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 it'll stretch their faith, and that's exactly what God wants us to do. He, I mean, it's like if you go to a gym, you're not going to build strong muscles unless your muscles are stretched by lifting the weights. And God wants us to stretch our faith so that we can grow deeper in the knowledge of God. And through evangelism, stepping out in faith and going to strange people, going Location, God will uh, help grow the faith of His people, and that's that's the desire because He doesn't want us to remain immature spiritual babies. He wants us to grow into mature spiritual adults. And I think evangelism is is a great way behind uh, obviously reading our Bibles and praying daily. You know, engaging in evangelism is a great way for people to grow in their faith and to really see God move in, in flesh ways that uh, perhaps uh, God has not yet moved in their life. I see you've got the word I'm going to say it slowly now. Apologolix which comes from the Greek word Apologia and is used eight times in the New Testament Acts 22 to 1 25 to 16, 1 Corinthians 9 to 3, 2 Corinthians 10, 5 to 6, Philippines 1 to 7, 2 Timothy 4 to 16, and Peter 3 to 15. But it's the last verse that is most commonly associated with Christian apologetics. But but sacrifice Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defence to anyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is you in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. 1 Peter 3.15 Hello? Yes. I'm sorry, did you ask, uh, did you ask uh, any question? Yeah, yeah, I just want you to explain to people more that what that means to you. Ready to give 
a defense for our faith. So when people ask us, you know, uh, why why are you a Christian? Well, we can give them uh, our defense, you know, as opposed to why we're Muslim, why we're an atheist, or whatever. I mean, uh, we should we need to be ready to, to to know why we believe what we believe, uh, and it's important because uh, you know sharing the gospel is um, you know is is when we proclaim the gospel, but it's also defending the gospel at the same time. And, uh, so that's what that means to me. Uh, of course, that doesn't mean you have to know all the answers uh, to every question. It just means that you know why you believe what you believe. You know that, that ultimately, if, if Jesus is God, and, and all, as the scripture says, all uh, knowledge and wisdom, all the, tri- all the treasures of knowledge and wisdom, Christ, then we start our defense of our faith from Christ himself, that, you know, without him, we couldn't know anything, you know, and so that's how we uh, make that defense, but it doesn't mean we're arrogant, and it doesn't mean we come off as if we know everything, it just means that we know why we believe what we believe as Christians, and that we share this truth with people that have different worldviews, but we do it in respect. We do it knowing that we have a certain truth, because truth by definition is certain, um, but we do it in gentleness and respect, uh, because we don't want to be a jerk about it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I understand. I like the bit where you say about a trial faithful, because it says, Apostle Paul said, ye who are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with saints, the household of God, Ephesians 2.19, is within the sanctuary of the church where we protect our faith, meeting together with others who believe, we pray, and find answers to our prayers, we worship through music, share testimony of the Saviour, serve one another, and feel the Spirit of the Lord. We partake the sacrament, receive the blessings of the priesthood, and attend the temple. The Lord declared, and ordinances, the power of the godliness is manifest. When you are faced with a test of faith, stay within the safety and security of the household of God. There is always a place for you here there. No trial is so large we can't overcome it together. I think in the world we're living at the moment, I think that's a very hard thing for trial faith, isn't it? I'm sorry, I didn't hear the entire statement. Um, you said it a little louder. Yeah, I was saying, um, today, in today's world, the, the trial of faith is quite hard, isn't it? Of all the situations that are going on in the world. Oh, absolutely, I would agree. I mean, even as an example, like, right now, I'm learning Spanish. Uh, it's, it's really a joke because my English isn't, the greatest, and now I'm learning another language, so that's uh, pretty funny, but no, I have a desire to learn Spanish, um, and right now I, I take uh, classes with, uh, with Spanish tutors that are from Venezuela. Uh, most of them are from Venezuela. Some of them are in uh, Colombia, but we take classes, uh, you know, through Zoom, uh, and um, most of my tutors are Christians, so they know firsthand what it means to struggle uh, and to, and to have uh, difficulties, you know. 
because right now their country is you know, a little worse for the wear. Um, it's unstable, and uh, they don't have they don't have some of the supplies or some of the resources that we have in the West. Um, you can't get certain vitamins. You can't get certain foods and certain medicines in the country, and uh, so it's difficult. And, people that are sick and need help and, and, and stuff like that. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I hear from them. I, I, you know, I, I hear their, their struggles and, and, of course, there's people in, there's people in uh, Iran, there's people in North Korea that are struggling that, that are Christians. I mean, even if you're not Christians, the, the world's difficult. But, but, of course, we as Christians, we know that when Jesus told us that in this world, you will have tribulation, but we need to be of good cheer because he has overcome the world. So there's no, ultimately, there's no reason for Christians to be depressed. That doesn't mean we don't get depressed, but there is no reason legitimately to be depressed because Jesus has overcome the world, that, you know, God is on our side, even though this world is fallen, this world is sinful, and this world is chaotic, it's got natural disasters, it's got crime and, 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 and poverty and all that stuff. Um, God has a plan. We know that God is in control. He's sovereign. Um, he's good, and so therefore there's going to be a good end to these things. There's a good purpose to these things. Um, even this, even the, the death of his son was, you know, was terrible, but uh, he, he had a plan through it. God can take something bad and turn it into good. Um, and we know that throughout Scripture, He's shown us example after example after example of, of um, people that have had uh, you know, uh, difficult trials and struggles to go through, but He would turn it around for good. Um, and so, and I've seen that in my own life that you know I've uh, struggled with things and even. I've struggled with poverty, I've struggled with disease, I've struggled with people betraying me and uh, just, you know, financial worries and all that stuff. Uh, you know, every trial that anybody goes through is not unique. Ultimately, we all go through the same things, just at different times. And it, uh, but, you know, there is um, there's hope in the Lord. Uh, we can overcome. The Bible tells us, in, for example, in Romans chapter 8, verse uh, 38, um, that all things work together for good to them that love God who are the called according to his purpose so there is a purpose in our pain and sometimes we can't see it because we're so focused on the pain but if we would shift our focus and our perspective to to the goodness of God to the sovereignty of God then we can realize that nothing will happen without his permission and nothing will happen without his purpose, without his plan. And so there's no accidents, you know, uh, tra any tragedy that happens to us is no accident. Um, just like, take the life of Job, you know, Job suffered and, and uh, you know, he didn't bring that suffering on himself necessarily, but he was, a, it was a, he was allowed to suffer through it. But, you know, he did learn some things about himself. He learned some things about God that, that he didn't know before. And, and at the end, you know, God showed his faithfulness and, and, and um, you know, he had uh, lifted.
revealed the purpose behind Job's suffering, and, and, and he also revealed a blessing to Job at the end of the suffering as well. So there is, you know, so I would just encourage people who are struggling with any, whatever, whatever they're struggling with, whether it's something small or something big, God takes notice, you know, and as a loving Heavenly Father, He's going to provide for His people, um, and we just have to, you know, instead of asking the question, why did something bad happen, why did this happen to me, that's the wrong question, we should be asking, what can I do to glorify the Lord through this, how can I turn this around so that God gets glory for this? How can I use this situation to help someone off, to help someone worse off than I am? That's really the focus that we should have. It will help us to, uh, you know, to navigate this suffering. Because no suffering is not eternal. If we have Christ as our Savior, then Christ already took the greatest amount of suffering, which is, you know, the eternal separation from from, from God hell, he already took that punishment for us, so, so all these other temporary, all these other earthly you know, trials and, and sufferings, these are just temporary, they're not eternal, they will, they will end, and so we can rest assured that these are only temporary uh, circumstances, but, you know, eternal life and salvation and a new home in heaven uh, is eternal, so that's the, that's really the, the perspective that we need to have. Um, what, what um, do you think, I'll, I'll tell you how I got into Christ, uh, um, my faith got enhanced, because as I mentioned before, I had a near-death experience. Um, I had a blood pressure of 124. I was taken to hospital and then put in induced coma for three weeks. And whilst I was in that coma, I heard a woman's voice I've not heard before or since, telling me to wake up, and I had the most overwhelming feeling I ever had to wake up. And that, from that day, it sparked my interest more in spiritually and made me more aware of myself and my spiritual being. I also believe that I sort of touched a, a heaven, but not quite, because I wasn't obviously dead dead. But I think I sort of touched it, and you get when you talk to most people who've had these experiences, more or less people say the same. Yeah, yeah, and you know God can use that. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, as you're sharing, that He's used this type of situation in your life to get your attention. Because uh, you know, if God has to use a trial or a sickness to get our attention in this life. Will do it because uh, you know because ultimately what God desires is for people to come to repentance and to trust Him, trust to His Son Jesus as Savior. And so sometimes God will use a sickness or will use a you know, you know uh, he might use a radio program like this. He might use a gospel track that someone finds on the, on the ground. They might use a uh, TV program. Uh, he might use uh, friend or a loved one to speak into our lives, to speak truth in our lives, and if we're lost, if we're without Christ, you know, God wants us to come to repentance, so he will use the, the, the circumstance to, to bring us to the realization of our real need, our true need, 
uh, you know, a true need isn't to be, you know, without any trials, isn't to be without any sickness, you know. But a true need is, 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 uh, is spiritual. And it's, you know, it's, it's um, you know, to come to know that we have broken his laws morally, you know, we, we have a conscience, we know that what's right and wrong, you know, we know lying, stealing, cheating, and murder and stuff like that is wrong. Those are against his commandments. And when we take a look at the law of God, we realize that all of us fall short of, of, of his standard of righteousness. And even even the Bible tells us that in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So when we look at God's moral law, we realize that we do fall short. And the law was given to us as a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. So in other words, the law, God gave us the moral law um, to show us that the law was, wasn't meant to, to save us. So people that think they're going to obey God's law in order to get to heaven, they cannot do it. It was not meant to save us. The law is only meant to condemn. And that's why we need a Savior. So Jesus was sent into the world and had a rescue mission. We are saved because the law condemns us, but Jesus offers salvation. You know, you and I and the rest of the, the, the people in the world, you know, that have lived or ever will live, are sinners. We've broken God's law, but Jesus paid the fine. So when we repent, as Jesus said in that mark, he told us to repent and believe the gospel. The gospel is the news of what he's done for us on the cross the resurrection. So the, you know, he tells us to repent means to turn around, you know, to, to turn from going the wrong way, to turn from going our way,
fantastically good. So, you know, that's why the, 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 the real, the most important thing for people to do is to think about their relationship with God or lack thereof. And to, you know, pick up, I would encourage people to pick up the Bible and start reading in the Gospel of God. It's a great place to start. And that's how God speaks to people. He speaks to people through His Word. Primarily, He can also speak to you through the Holy Spirit. But primarily through His Word and Do you um, do any your own podcast, or are you, is it just the book that you have out at the moment? Yes, just the book for the moment. Um, I'm still new to podcasting. Uh, I haven't decided if something I want to get into. Uh, I am still uh, I still work uh, you know a secular job right now, and uh, but I also do the ministry. So uh, it remains to be seen what God is going to do. Well, if you do do it and you are interested, you can always share it on my show. I don't mind. I don't, I don't mind offering anybody to do. If you can't find someone to put it on, and it because sometimes things cost a cost a little bit more than you think they do. I'm, I'll put it on mine. I don't mind. It doesn't cost me nothing. You know, you've got to do send me an MP3 file, and I'll put it on. Well, I think it's important to talk about faith. I mean, I know people, I'm not, I'm like you, I'm, I don't want it, we're not ramming it down people's throats, it's just a question of, that it's out there, you should read it, and if you want to gain something from it, do. No one's twisting your arm, no one's saying, you know, <laughs> at the end of the day, people are people. You know, you can't change their minds. No, only God can change their minds. You know, all we can do is be like, if we are just spiritual mailmen, mailmen, we're just delivering the message. You know, the Bible, the gospel is God's message of love and grace to people. And so we are just, it's just what you call people to share the gospel with people. And I, we can't force it down their throat, we can't convince them uh, how they well, I wish you great success with your book, my friend. And um, obviously, as always, time goes like no tomorrow. And it, as it's coming up to the end of the show, um, now I normally ask my guests to do like a, a unique sign-off. So, what would your unique sign-off be? Mine would be, let God enter your soul, give him a chance, 
If you listen, you may be surprised how much you can you can benefit from it. Because faith is a powerful thing, my friend. Along with prayer, it can do. It can move mountains. It can heal people who never who never been healed before. And that's my end of the show. I'd like to thank you for being on the show. And good night. <laughs>